0: Thank
1: a Star Trek podcast by ladies, where we talk about Star Trek loudly and at great length. I am your host, Corrine, and I am joined as ever by the fabulous Kim. Hello. And the perfectly adequate Ari. Good lord, you're perky today. I am, because guys, here in episode 15, we are talking about, coincidentally enough, the 15th episode of Star Trek original series called Shore Leave, as as I like to call it. It's the freaking weekend we're about to have us some fun. Bounce, 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 bounce. Bounce, bounce bounce, <laughs> bounce, 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 Did you like this episode? Bounce, bounce. Uh, I love this episode. <laughs> to the surprise of zero Kims, um, <laughs> this episode is everything I love about original series. <laughs> you know, we have our serious episodes. We had our uh, Balance of Terror. We had Dagger of the Mind. We had the Corbinite Maneuver to a lesser extent. And here is where we get to the crazy pants episodes of Star Trek that I love. You are crazy pants. So, Kim, I am going to make an assumption that I would probably put money on and say that you hated this.
2: So much. I
1: hated this. Hated it. I'm astonished. You? Were... And oh, shocked. Aghast. Shock. Agape. Uh, Kim, why do you hate this episode? Uh, because it meant nothing.
2: It was about nothing and it was stupid. I. Wow. I mean, one could argue that every single episode of Star Trek is about nothing. Well, no, I mean, by the time you get to the end of this one, nothing that happened makes any difference. They're literally just like, oh, it's all fine. Let's continue about our business with absolutely no consequences, no change, or no nothing that even, like, the last 45 minutes meant nothing. So
0: completely unlike every other episode of the original series. No, oh,
2: no, okay, so let's talk about Balance of Terror. That meant something. That was an exploration of things. We learned stuff about the world. Sure, and but this was garbage. Up to this point, Balance of Terror is unusual in that sense.
1: But does every episode of television have to be a social commentary? I would argue that that gets exhausting. Not even after in the Star Wars. No,
2: it doesn't. All have to be, and it can be campy be fun. And there are stuff. There are episodes of like I enjoyed Nakey Time, and Ugh. there's stuff coming up. Um, oh, which one I was would it? argue it's, that enjoyable as I find it, Nakey Time is equally pointless. Yeah, it was equally pointless, but it was fun and pointless and amusing. This was
1: just dumb. I didn't like this at all. See, I see no difference between this and Nakey time, except that the scientific, and I've got some pretty heavy air quotes there, are you going to have to put in some sound effect, like, whoosh, whoosh. I think that's perfectly sufficient Thank sound you. effect. Thank you. Whoosh, whoosh. Scientific backing behind this episode. <laughs> End air quotes. I think the difference is just that this one had more sort of fun times tone. Oh yeah, it's a it's a romp. Yeah, it's a campy romp. I, like it is in some cases, literally a romp. Yes, in and including the part where you know in in the classic British show where they have people coming out of one door and then appearing out of the other and like running. <laughs> oh <about> yeah, <the laughs> it was, was definitely like it was that. It was yeah.
2: definitely farcical, and yeah. it definitely had like I was all of the like pan way the fuck out running across fields. I was like. It's like watching a Benny Hill routine. And mm-hmm. Like, the music was very evocative of that. I did not enjoy that. I just did not enjoy this. Maybe it's just a personal taste thing. This is not for me.
1: I, I get it. I would have understood this more if you also hated Naked Time. Because to me, there is no difference. Except that I find this one funnier. Because there's not the icing layer of peril of, oh, the ship is going to crash.
2: I think I didn't find this, actually, found this almost not funny at all. And I think it's because they were, I felt like they were trying very hard to be like, this is funny. You hear the music cues, it's funny. And it was so, it ended up being not funny. I didn't
0: think it was mostly funny, just that you were definitely, at least anyone with any sense of like narrative tropes, you got a pretty strong sense not that far in that, oh, this is all imaginary.
1: I think it ties into the very weak theme here, that it is amusing. We are in an, an amusement park. But not amusing in a,
0: in a funny sense. Amusing in a, like, a diversion sense, in a leisure sense. I
1: thought it was fun. Like If I think back to some of my favorite episodes of Stargate, it's this...
0: It's okay, speaking of Stargate. Okay, yeah. This episode is the game. The episode where S2-1 goes to the planet and finds all the people in the greenhouse at, I believe, the Chan Center... Um, and they're locked into the VR headsets, and Daniel ends up reliving his parents' death over and over again.
1: Oh, that episode yeah. is this episode, yeah. But with less ugly parents,
0: yeah.
1: There are definitely less dead parents in this episode. Most showgirls than uh, the Star more showgirls. Episode. fewer
0: dead parents?
1: Yes. I don't know. I maybe I was just in exactly the right mood for this, but I loved it. Ari, what's your opinion? I I neither hated it nor adored it. I would, it was good. <laughs> I would say it's The fight scene, the MMA oh, yeah, fight wanted, scene, went on about 45 to fast, minutes too
0: long. I wanted to fast forward through the fight scene after the first ooh, 20 seconds. Because it not only continued up to a commercial break, but then it went on even longer after the commercial break. It was,
2: I think it was almost at least five minutes of fight scene. It was a very long fight scene. Yeah. And then it was also preceded by an extremely long chase scene, yeah. <laughs> which they covered every single filming location they were yeah. using this this week namely vasquez rocks yes that must have been it one <laughs> of my questions was is this the same set of rocks where kirk fights the costumed lizard man very you possibly. mean the
1: gorn well, yes yeah yes. it's yes. very possible i think it 100 is yeah so when the episode starts there's a landing party that's gone down to this super green planet
0: uh wait I need to know that this starts in the bridge and the first thing that Yeoman oh, Pharaoh no. does. Oh please, oh. Please,
1: as if I would skip yeah. over that. I was getting right there. I okay. just had to set our scene. Okay, so okay. they set down some landing parties to this super green planet, which is about the color of Ari's sweater, which is not a helpful it looks reference like a gas point giant. when we're recording a podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's, bright it's, it's, emerald. it's bright green. Emerald. It's green. emerald green. It looks like a gas giant from space, is all I'm saying. Yeah, which not is odd because invited. when they get down there it's kind of an earthy planet. But anyways, so they're trying to determine whether this planet will be a good place to have shore leave um and, which
0: i would ask there isn't a goddamn star base somewhere around here that well, they could be stopping at they don't have to check for poison and murderous
1: aliens first they are at the farthest reaches of space sorry they sure, are sure, explorers whatever. and then things get weird right off the bat mm-hmm. which is how i would have started my slash pick <laughs> well no oh. way so kirk has a kink in his back. Mm-hmm. is right. almost the
0: first thing he says the entire episode.
1: Yeah, and he's flanked on
2: one side by Spock and on the other side by a human that I Yeoman just... Barrows. Yeah, I could,
1: didn't know what her name was, so I just called her Not Rand for the whole episode. It was originally written for Rand. Yeah. And then there was the part where she was let go, and so they quickly replaced her. And this was Not Rand. It's Emily Banks. And that's why there's that weird bit in the episode where she almost like switches teams to Team McCoy. Yeah, it was weird. Digged it. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, Kirk has a cake in his back. Um, and so, Barrels, unbeknownst to him, goes behind him and starts giving him a massage. Is that a thing that people do to like their bosses? Not unless the next
0: thing that happens is a sexual harassment lawsuit. <laughs>
1: Has anyone here ever given a massage to their boss? To my boss? No. Oh, wait, wait. Before we get into the potential lawsuits, none of us definitely have. And so, on the bridge in full view of everyone else, he starts the porno where he's like, oh, push harder, dig in deep, Mr. Spock. (laughs) I love this part because Spock very deliberately takes, like, two steps forward so that
2: Kirk is absolutely 100% sure that's not him back there. So here's the thing. He Kirk me. has the
1: expectation that Spock gives massages. On the bridge. Well, that <laughs> well, to me
0: that Spock gives massages most of the time. Yes.
1: I feel like we now have empirical proof that Spock gives massages. That is
0: empirical <laughs> proof.
1: That is serious, in-canon
0: confirmation of Spock-registered massage therapy. <laughs> Spock's sexual masseuse. I mean, Vulcans are very strong. They'd thick. probably be very good at
1: it. Oh, mm.
2: okay. Wait. So... In season three of Enterprise. (laughs) You guys just cringed. It was awesome. Um, In unison. (laughs) In season three of Enterprise, Ari, take your hands out of your your face out of your hands. There is an entire plot line about Sexual massage. Yeah. Vulcan. Sorry, what? (laughs) It's called Vulcan Neuropressure. It's basically Vulcans manipulating pressure points on the body. And it's done basically between DePaul the Vulcan, who is actually Topless in a lot of these scenes, and trip the engineer. Oh my god! I hate myself for saying this,
0: but it, within the context of the Star Trek canon, it actually makes sense for Vulcans to give
1: massages. I'm pretty sure that the James telepats. Dean can also do <laughs> manipulate pressure points well, on your this body. There's all stuff in
0: Vulcan in, in what we know about Vulcans about touch and like him said about pressure points. So yeah. it actually does make oh. sense. I will get. I will level. grant
1: you that because. When they first... Do, do the first mind meld that they did in... In, um... Dagger of the Mind. Was it Dagger of the yeah. Mind? Anyways, when in Dagger of Mind, he talks about pressure using point. the pressure yeah. points. Yeah. Yeah. So...
2: So that's, that's my headcanon And you have the Vulcan nerve pinch, which is essentially... Yes. Uh, pressure points. Pressure points. So, so yeah, that is now my head headcanon that so, yeah. uh, so, Vulcan's massages. Vulcan's giving massages does make sense. And I suppose we can use this episode as where Vulcan neuropressure maybe originated from as an
1: idea. I don't know. Whatever. Dig in. Okay, Cam. You tell yourself? It, it happens. In. Anyway. So essentially, they're trying to find a plant for every planet. Oh, did I give something away there? Because <laughs> it's plants. Um, anyways. Um, to find somewhere to have shortly because it's been three months without a break and everyone needs a rest except for Spock uh,
0: and especially Kirk well Kirk has got a kink that he needs to work out <laughs> literal and figurative oh, God.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so McCoy and Sulu are having a beautiful picnic a lovely romantic stroll. walk yeah, in the yeah. uh, someone's garden uh-huh. or was,
2: a park yeah it was beautiful very green and lush and is in very nice contrast to sort of the metallic, sterile square of what you get on the Enterprise.
0: And that's what they're talking about while they're walking. They're like, oh, it's idyllic. It's like a garden. It's like something out of Alice in Wonderland.
1: No animals, no people, no worries. Um, I really enjoyed seeing them in an outdoor location. Yeah. yeah. They, like, to speak to your like point, real outdoor Like location. an actual, not a yeah. creepy backdrop, but just outdoors. Yeah. yeah. It did make... It made George Decay more handsome. It really did. Yeah. It's like you put him
2: in nature and like he's a very attractive man, especially when he's younger here. But you put him outside and he was like flowers and, like, birds hanging <laughs> around <laughs> his head. He blooms. Yes, he does.
1: And he's <laughs> leaping over trees. He pivots majestically. Yes. Did you notice that? Like, when he's, he's looking at things, he good, almost good like a moves. ballet stance and yeah. then kind of yeah. pivots around. While
0: he's fondling every plant that he can find.
1: Finding their pressure being points. Being a
0: botanist. Which,
2: to be honest, I love this. I thought it was a great callback to some of the earlier episodes mm. where, like, what was the first one with Salt Monster, where you see yes. him in the botany lab and he's working with all the plants. He just loves plants. I thought this was great. This is something I had never actually realized about oh, yeah. Sulu mm-hmm. before that he was like a botany guy. There's a crack in
0: one of the middle somewhere original series movies where we meet his daughter and she talks about her dad having a garden. Oh. oh. Um oh, what's yeah.
2: her name? She's in uh Star Trek Generations. Um I've some- seen that. Oh, no, she's the, she's the helmsman, and yeah. Kirk actually says it's not an Enterprise without a
1: Sulu What the hell? Oh! Wait, why was it an actual? Oh, yeah, Sulu has his own ship. Mm. Yeah. So, yes, McCoy says it's like something out of Alice in Wonderland, which, okay, take a step back. How? I was wondering that also.
2: It, that doesn't make any sense. It was a shoehorned in literary reference so that we could have... Get started. Yeah, so we could get started and we would have, be able to have something that obviously 100% did not belong there.
1: Yeah, it is very strange because Alice in Wonderland there is a garden,
2: but that's where you see like that's like a Red Queen type deal, isn't it?
1: No, in the beginning of the story of Alice that's where in Wonderland, see... no, not it's a park or something. They're in a park and they're reading, but in the actual book itself, not the film, she looks through the little the little keyhole right and sees a beautiful garden. Oh, okay, and she wants to go into the garden, uh, but it didn't look like someone's yard in california yeah. and i don't think anyone would go like have as their go-to literary reference for Alice a beautiful garden Alice and... i would have said garden of eden mm-hmm. um but maybe that couldn't make it past the 1960s censor. <laughs> i
2: could have gone with secret
1: garden oh yeah now while they're having
2: their romantic stroll
1: they're
0: basically <laughs> talking about how everyone needs a vacation especially captain kirk
1: it's true because we also get we get a head count of
0: how many yes. people are on the Enterprise. There are 433 people, including the Captain, Bones, and Sulu. That's a lot
1: of people. Yeah. That's a big mm-hmm. ship. Yeah. And all of them need a break. Yep. Yeah. And apparently, Sulu can tell the biology of an entire planet by one sellable plant.
0: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Basically, this is an excuse for him to go off and pick
1: flowers. Yeah, exactly. And then McCoy, by himself, sees a horrific... White rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> so, background to that, it was nightmarish. It's kind of man they, size. And, and just by the red way, eyes. why doesn't
0: Starfleet understand or you know hang on to the buddy system?
2: Did they go to That's a true. costume shop in L.A. and be like, "We need a yes. white rabbit costume"? Yes. Is that a- no? They did not. No. <laughs> okay.
1: So William Blackburn, who plays the rabbit, stole slash borrowed the costume from the Ice Capades.
0: <laughs> oh my god.
1: And he almost died in it. Oh, my God. Wow. Well, how did he almost die in it? That rabbit was on screen for a grand total of about 35 seconds. So he almost suffocated. Oh, God. (laughs) And he he was essentially, like, in a panic. It was a horribly uncomfortable costume. And this is the same guy who played the Gorn. And he said that the white rabbit was worse than the Gorn. Oh, wow. You, I, everyone knows that that's essentially an awful rubber mask. But he was so, he was suffocating he was running out of air so what he did is he ripped the head of the rabbit off and the costume designer which was william Weratheus, was furious (laughs) because of course they stole this from the escapade yeah so they had to velcro it back on Oh, my
2: God. Yeah. Wow. Wow. I bet the ice was
1: pissed. Yeah. On the other hand, you should really be able to take the head off of yeah. a costume like that. If that was being used in
2: the ice capades and they had someone in there, like, strapped in and ice skating in it and some actor was, like, freaking out after a few minutes, that can't be that poor ice skater. Yeah. Ice
1: skaters have it rough. They do. If you've learned anything from Ice Princess, <laughs> which oh, I learned a lot from. That's,
2: oh,
0: That's horrifying. I remember, like, the Scholastic Book Fairs. I played the lion a couple of years in a row, and that was unpleasant enough. I can't even imagine if you can't get the head off.
1: Okay. I played the Cat in the Hat, Arthur, the Bernstein Bears, Franklin the Turtle. I am a professional literary Wait, mascot. Point of order. Your Scholastic Book Fairs had mascots? Oh, uh, no. Yes. This is when I worked at the book. Well, oh, okay. Oh, well, yours are fancy pants why? Okay.
2: Because all of my scholastic book fairs had was me sitting at the entrance with my feet across the door acting like a bouncer. That's a cool job, too. I know. I got free books.
0: Anyway, I think we can all agree that we're all glad we're not the guy oh, in the suit. Oh, they're
1: Awful. Awful, awful. But uh, McCoy utters one of my favorite lines of all time. And actually, in the Memory Alpha Wikipedia article about this, they usually have memorable quotes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is the number one memorable quote from this episode, which is, Yeah,
0: (laughs) That was beautiful. You can almost always count on Bones to react the way you would expect a sentient being to react (laughs) to shit like, there's a white rabbit on an alien planet. Maybe I should call for help because this is fucked up.
1: And it is straight up quoting from Alice in Wonderland. It says, oh my ears and whiskers, I'm late, I'm late. A point, point here, McCoy has his phaser in his belt. It is pointed at his junk. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like there should be some sort of Starfleet regulation that says point that somewhere else.
2: (laughs) Yeah, now that you mentioned a lot of people's, I think a lot of people's phasers were pointed at their joints. No one was exercising particularly good weapons discipline in this episode.
1: (laughs) No. And we'll get there. And then Sulu, of course, runs up and says, What is it, Doc? And I have to say, what a missed opportunity for him to say what's, what's up. What's Come on, Come on! It! It's right there. Yeah, he also <clears throat> saw uh, Alice right before
0: Sulu shows up. Yeah. Just to compound his sense of slowly going insane. It
1: yeah. is very strange. So, it's start mm, whatever. Whatever. No.
2: No, <laughs> no. This was beautiful. It's 302 or 3025 oh, yeah. uh 3. <laughs> <laughs> <He> was... <laughs> <He> <laughs> so just to emphasize dazed. how How tired and overworked Kirk is. He can't even remember the
1: date when he's recording his log. So sad. And they're in the Amnon Delta region. Sure. Sure. And they're looking at the green LSD planet. And it's like how we remember Earth to be, says Kirk. What? (laughs) How long have you been gone? For hundreds of
2: years? (laughs) Is Earth gone? I'm pretty sure Earth is still
0: there. Earth is definitely still there. Also, he says, it's almost too good to be true.
1: <laughs> yes, of course it is. Spoiler, <laughs> it is. That's true. And... Spock shows up to have a condescending Vulcan conversation about shore leave. I really like these moments, yes. and again, I feel like at this point they'd really hit their stride with the characters. Like all of the Kirk and Spock stuff, they knew what the relationships so were. Oh, it is
2: very good. I enjoy yeah. their interactions mm-hmm. just because they're them.
1: Yeah, and Spock says, "For the Vulcans to rest is to rest. So essentially, I assume you just stand Sweet. there." Sit around. Resting. You meditating. Stop using energy. Oh yeah, meditating, meditating. You stop using energy, which is the point. He doesn't understand why humans run and jump and leap over trees, expending all their energy instead of saving it. Good point. We should all just stay home, do Netflix, and chill. No, I want to go out and do things. Okay, you do that. You guys mm. can
2: stay home. Mm-hmm.
0: So, but the, I like that. I'm mean, fascinated by the idea that Vulcans don't have leisure.
2: Yes, they do. Well, leisure. And what do they do? They have all sorts of crazy combative sports and mind puzzles and uh, meditating and art and music and science. But is that
1: leisure or furthering academic well, achievements?
2: I'd say some of it's leisure. Like in um, in Voyager, Tuvok has this crazy-ass puzzle with stick things that he's always playing with and trying to get Harry Kim to master to focus his mind because he's so young that seems to
0: be something that's meant to serve a practical purpose as much as because leisure by definition I mean one of the things that defines it is that it
2: doesn't necessarily produce anything. Well, this doesn't, like, this game doesn't produce anything. It's literally well, just... sounds tr- like it produces Well, it's supposed to be focus. there to focus on It produces mind. something yeah. the same way a Rubik's Cube produces something. Rubik's Cube produces frustration? Rage? Some people do them for fun. My father does Rubik's Cubes for fun. He sits there in front of the TV and he twiddles his Rubik's Cube. Um, you also have... Sorry. I'm sure that isn't a euphemism. <laughs> oh my god! You're the worst! I hate you! Um... <clears throat> Back to Vulcan leisure. <laughs> there's also things like Tuvok plays the lute, and
1: oh yeah, I forgot about the lute. Vulcans <laughs> really like their
2: lutes. The interludes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, no, there there is Vulcan leisure. There's absolutely Vulcan leisure, mm-hmm. but not in the not in the way that human beings tend to define it. Well, how do human beings define leisure? Like. Uh, yes, we have sitting and reading a book. We also have cross-stitching. But you can also have sailing and tennis. And some people do art for leisure. Some people do music for leisure. I think it's just the idea of doing something
0: just for the sake of doing something or because it's fun. As opposed to doing something to, like, produce art or refine your mind or focus yourself or become more logical in the case of Vulcans. <laughs> Becoming more logical. I definitely think Vulcans probably do things that we would describe as leisure, but I think they wouldn't.
1: Mm. So... Spock comes in to essentially pull one over on Kirk, which I found terribly amusing. Yeah,
2: it was very good. Um, oh, was this amusing, Kim? What? Does this amuse you? No, it wasn't amusing. <laughs> this was a good character moment. Um, what The one thing in here that I did enjoy was Bones calling the ship to tell Kirk I just saw a giant white <laughs> rabbit and Kirk being like, Are you fucking with me? (laughs) Get off the phone.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Because he thinks Bones is trying to trick him down to the planet. Because as Spock comes in, to note, uh, actually, Barrows says it, you haven't put yourself on any of the lists for the shore parties, Captain. Um, And then Spock comes in and basically does his little bit where he tells him about this uh, crewman who... He's overworked, he's tired, his reaction times are down, his some kind of weird space score is terrible, <laughs> and Kirk's like, oh, wow, that's 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 terrible, Mr. Spock, and, and, and Spock says, but he refuses to take a goddamn vacation, Captain, and Kirk says, well, I'm going to order him to, to go on shore leave right now. What's
1: his name? James T. Kirk. Yeah.
2: Like, that was so obvious, Kirk, how did you not see that coming? Yeah. Well, he's very tired. But I would include that <laughs> in my slash fic. Yeah. <laughs>
1: So, he's sent down for peace, sunshine, and good air. Whatever that is. Whatever that is. Non-recycled air? I, I air don't is know. An and we get
0: a repetition of how innocuous this planet is. No animals, artifacts, or force fields.
1: Again, a weird thing to be specifically looking
0: for. Yeah. I also would like to note, Sulu really should have thought of this, but this planet is covered in plants, including flowering plants. How can there be no insects?
1: Maybe Mister Sulu, they are plants that asexually reproduce. Nice reaching, (laughs) alien. Nice (laughs) reaching, alien. So, anyways, the most important thing is that we see a rock lay a gun. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) like a hen (laughs) lays an egg, the rock lays a gun and then lifts up its skirts,
2: going woo. (laughs) see what I put
1: here for you. That was
2: bizarre.
1: It's amazing. So now we see other members of the landing. Party, which include Blue Shirt and Yellow Dress. Blue okay. Shirt and Yellow Dress. Um, Esteban Rodriguez. Esteban Rodriguez. And, and Angela Tull- Now, here's the thing. They actually realized, I assume like midway through the episode of, aw, oh, shit, this is actually Angela Martinez from... Martine. Bloody hell. I'm so sorry, Martine. <laughs> <laughs> Tragically widowed from the previous episode. Oh, was that the same it's girl? It's the same actress. Yes, yes. And oh. she was supposed to be essentially playing the same character care but they gave her a different name well they just didn't they were quite eh. okay guys I was thinking, if you haven't the noticed they weren't quite on the ball at this no. point well okay. i'm gonna
2: say that considering her fate in this episode her name's not that important she doesn't die no but she does run into a tree get knocked unconscious and then never heard from again <laughs> watch out
1: for that tree <laughs> no, seriously
2: she i was watching for her for the rest of the episode the guy looks at her like she knocks into the tree falls down unconscious. The guy looks at her and is like, "Oh well, and then we don't see her for the rest of the episode." <laughs> we don't see we don't see Rodriguez again. Yes, yet. we
1: do. Yeah, we do. <laughs> she, we do not oh, yeah, see we, do.
0: we she we know she never see it we again. Definitely
2: don't see yellow dress again cuz I was watching for her, I know.
0: Well, maybe they gave her some handsome young man robots and she didn't feel like coming back up to the surface I the assume she state. was off having some no, space. They machine. just left yeah. her
1: unconscious on the ground. They're like, eh, she'll totally be fine. And they left her at the end. Yeah. So Kirk beams down with his new yeoman Barrow. Barrow. Not Barrow's, Rand. Not Rand. Not the Rand. And everyone goes on about, oh, it's so peaceful. It's so restful. And McCoy's like, yeah, but look at these giant rabbit prints. Yeah. <laughs> now, it kills the mood. Yeah. <laughs> it is a mood killer. Uh, Kim, you have more rabbit experience than I do. <laughs> yes. Did those look anything like rabbit prints? Uh, those do not
2: look like back rabbit prints, like back feet rabbit prints. Those look like front paws. Um, however, I will note that they were all, all of the prints are one next to each other perfectly in line as though yeah. someone walked along with a rabbit track stamp. <laughs> they should have been, there should have been like pressure points or like, because that rabbit was walking upright like a human. There should have been steps. It's like Sasquatch 101 mistaking.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and that's a report from our rabbit correspondent, Kim. <laughs> you know, I actually
2: made a note somewhere in here about how terrible the rabbit tracks were. I, I made
1: a note to ask you about them. <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I don't know. As terrible a hoax as the
0: rabbit prints are, though, it does it inspire Kirk to go, okay, maybe there's something fucked up down here. No more shore parties beamed down.
1: He also says it looks harmless. <laughs> But he wants
0: to make sure it's harmless before he's beams anybody else down.
2: Kirk just basically took the first opportunity to not have to take a vacation. This is weird. Vacation over. <laughs> and everyone else's vacation is
1: over too. So <laughs> then we hear gunshots and then we run. There's a lot of running in this yes. episode. Yeah. They which 100%. They wanted
0: to show as much of that pretty garden as they could. I mean, they had it only for the one day.
1: The, actually, they... Six days. They seven had, days. It was seven days seven because days. it was supposed to be six days. But they were actually rewriting the script as they were filming. A Shocker! Of
0: Gene Roddenberry sitting under a tree, frantically rewriting the script while they were filming.
2: That is not at all shocking to not me. Terribly this is another though. episode that they were rewriting as they were filming.
1: Loved it. Oy. So Sulu is literally shooting the breeze. Yeah, <laughs> he's just firing into the air with yes. his
0: gun that with, was under with, the rock. Yes, the rock gun.
1: Oh, I found this gun that I've always wanted. Just, just lying on the ground on just, this alien planet. What?
0: Billions of light years from Earth. What? And his only comment on how bizarre and impossible this is, crazy coincidence.
2: <laughs> it's in great condition, too. Yeah, because
0: apparently Sulu collects antique guns I do like that he takes a moment to explain how projectile weapons worked.
1: Yes, because we simply do not understand these oh these traits.
0: It's a police special gun. Sure, that's a that's a real gun, at least. Sure, it's words that are associated with a real gun.
1: And we go back to the point that again, they scanned the planet and there was nothing there
0: for the third time. They for the say third this.
1: time, there is nothing there except the gun and the rabbit and Alice. Right, except for the things that they've seen. And at this point, we get some really smooth camera work where they put an antenna in front of the camera and it pans around aiming at our actor. The
0: first time I saw this, I thought it was gun sight.
1: Oh, oh through well, the antenna?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It kind of makes more sense, but the first time I saw it, the way that it was following them, I thought, oh, that's a gun sight. But now that, now that we know how it was working, antenna makes just as much sense.
1: Huh. Huh. So at this point... McCoy and Kirk go for a walk. They're trying to follow the white rabbit. <laughs> oh, God. Weird words that I'm saying to describe a science fiction television show. Literally and a white Jim rabbit. starts talking about how he was picked on at the Academy by Finnegan, who was a giant bully. And Finnegan... Picked on him because he was so serious. Kirk
2: says he was grim. Uh, like this is another allusion to like super serious young Kirk, which mm-hmm. ki- now that I'm learning this, kind of jives a little bit more for Chris Pine's character. Does it sort is of the opposite of what his character? No, that like? like? he was a bit darker and more serious and broody, and darker and broody.
0: Just that he was a very very serious at like his studies, and he was a SWAT.
1: yeah, yeah. 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 SWAT? He was a keener. SWAT. He was okay. That's the kind of British expression of someone who's like super into their studies, very very serious about books. Where we in Canada would call it a keener.
2: Oh, okay. Because I was gonna say like that is not what I know SWAT to mean. I was like, what is that acronym for? <laughs> I don't. I don't actually know what what the American word for this would be because both of those are
0: highly uh, culturalized words. Uh,
1: nerd. I think mm. they would go with nerd. Oh, Okay,
2: Whatever.
1: but okay. And Finnegan used to play these funny japes where he would put... Deeply unfunny japes. Okay, no, he would put the water over the door. Oh, ho, ho, ho. (laughs) He would put a bowl of cold soup in your bed. I don't know. That sounds
2: terrible. Who does that? Jerk faces. Well, as we (laughs) later later see...
1: Uh, so they split up because again, no one has seen a horror film in the future. <laughs> yeah, and they give
2: them nice comedy
1: music. Oh to yeah, go because with it. Yeah,
2: the,
0: cause they find the bunny and Alice Prince, mm-hmm. and Kurt follows Alice to see if they can track her down into his bones. You follow the rabbit. This is a terrible idea, obviously.
1: Well, then we are introduced to Finnegan, who is our second, but not the last, Irish stereotype that we are going to see in Star Trek. Third. Yeah. Third? No. Riley. Uh, Riley and Captain Pirate. What's his face? Mud? Mud? I thought he was just a a pirate. Is he just just a a pirate?
0: There's Irish music when he beams up and the giant belt.
1: He was mostly just a a pirate. Irish people don't don't want giant
0: belts. It was a thing. But ah, no. I'm anyway. going to go with
1: second. Definitely second. And yeah. he's wearing this amazing... Sparkly pinstripe? Sparkly pinstripe t-shirt with an amazing flower brooch.
2: Mm-hmm. It was the sunburst from the... um that It was a smaller version of the sunburst that the people on the space station had on their uniforms in the
1: Menagerie. Which I assume yeah. is meant to be what cadets
2: are wearing what cadets are wearing century. these days. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I took it to be.
1: Yes. And Finnegan, in the manner of all charming bullies, essentially says hello. Oh, he gives him an Irish hello and punches him in the face. <laughs>
2: okay, so that wasn't so much to me bully, as in like teasing and making fun of, as in like. This guy is going to fight you for no reason. Yeah, but imagine... Like, actually the... fight you. He's just... a
1: violent psychopath. Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> I also imagine... I mean, even without the punching, imagine that for, like, two to four years.
2: The, the maniacal laughing and the the dancing up and down and running. Oh, God, it was awful. It
1: was very, very strange. And then we hear a scream, and Barrow says she was attacked by a man in a cloak with a dagger covered in jewels. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At which point, we react as all sexist 1960s men do and say, are you sure you didn't imagine it, honey? And I'm like, Jim, you were hallucinating three seconds ago. Her top is ripped open.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay, and so I'm not super familiar with this, but would that automatically lead you to Don Juan? Uh, no. No. It would lead me to scary rapist in the forest. (laughs) But I, I, like, other than, oh, a man who loves all women is a Don Juan. I know nothing about his myth or story or whatever. Was he famous for a jeweled well, dagger she... and ripping women's clothing I off well, in forests? I'm not
1: sure. It's from, it, like, his most famous incarnation is from Byron and the poem about him. And he did take ladies forcefully. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> But I don't, like, he ravished them, which, of course, like, in a Regency sense could just mean, like, makeouts. But I don't know that if I saw someone be assaulted, I'd be like, oh, what a Don Juan that guy is. I I don't know. I don't know where these people are getting their literary references from. The
2: 1960s?
0: Byron is from the
2: Regency. But yeah, she, she...
0: Because Kirk... Is it it Kirk who asks at this point? But someone basically is like, so what were you thinking about?
1: (laughs) All right. Yeah. Just between us girls. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which is my least favorite expression of all time. She says, oh, I was just walking through the park thinking, well, all a girl needs now is a Don Juan. At what point in your life, ladies... Were you like, geez, what I really need now is to be assaulted by a man with a jeweled <laughs> dagger, which is not a euphemism. Um,
0: <laughs> Never. Not, not that I recall. No. So Kirk says, let's split up. Yeah. <laughs> because he's learned nothing.
1: Ugh. Yeah. And we kind of take a walk with Kirk into the desert that will become very familiar as we move forward in Star Trek. And it's essentially Pride Rock. Yeah. <laughs> basically. Yeah. And Kirk stops to smell the flowers, which have suddenly appeared. And then suddenly the music. And then suddenly the music, and he whispers, and there's some, like, really, like, soft lighting, and he says, Ruth. And Kim, do you want to take this outfit? Okay, I
2: loved her outfit. It was... (laughs) Kim. Oh, it was beautiful. It was half black and half white floor length with a, a... like a tall neck and sleeveless and I wasn't such a huge fan of the rose colored ruffle thing going down one side. We could lose that. But she had these triple uh, triangle earrings on in black and white and her hair was immaculate beautiful curls. I actually really loved her outfit. Karina's looking at me in the most horrified fashion I've ever
0: seen. This is exactly the reaction I expected from this outfit from Kim.
1: Kim. Yes. Dear, dear friend. Yes. What the actual fuck are you talking <laughs> about she looks like the female version of two-face like what? she's got a split right down the middle where one side is like sexy sensual flowers and the other side is virginial blue like she looks like corella Deville. no oh yeah oh yeah no oh, yeah oh yeah she's like split in half yeah
2: it was it was a beautiful two-tone dress like i said i was no, no, no. it was not two tones kid it was two dresses that had been cut up in the middle and then sewn back together again. Yes, but they were the same dress, but just in different no! colors. No, oh, they were. They were two separate dresses completely. I uh, disagree. Same children that one of them was covered in roses. Once, Okay, I, like I said, I did not particularly enjoy the rose-colored growth on the one side, but if you got rid of that, it was a perfectly serviceable dress. It looked beautiful. It was two dresses.
0: No, it was, it was I think she's right, it was the same pattern with oh, different
2: no. fabrics. But yes. What it actually no. looked
1: like to me was like a bathing suit cover-up. Yeah, but usually a bathing suit cover-up is just one bathing suit cover-up rather than two of them sewn together. Actually, I think I have seen things like what she was wearing in shop windows in the last couple of weeks.
2: I liked it. But her, also just talking about her head as a piece. <laughs> <laughs> her earrings were phenomenal. I would love a pair. There was three triangles. There were black and white and layers. And then her hair was just so perfect. I loved it. Sorry,
0: Cream. Well, at least Kim is happy. Um, but apparently her name is Ruth.
1: Her name is Mooth and sh- and Kirk knows her, and we are to assume that they were uh, Academy sweetheart Or something. And then she kind of walks up to him, and he is bedazzled. Yeah. And then she starts to make out with his chin. <laughs> sure. Okay. In what has to be the most awkward makeout scene of all time, and I've seen both Teen Wolf... And Roswell. And oh, what's another oh, teen romance with Roswell? Dawson's Creek. Ooh, Dawson's Creek. And everything to do with Dawson Leary is awkward, awkward, awkward. Mm hmm. But so she walks up to him and he's like, oh, and she's like, oh, and then proceeds to like suck on not even his like middle chin, but almost like lower left cheek. <laughs> and it's just like, maybe kissing is sucking different sucking on. His, the side of his face. And his face is kind of being pulled towards... <laughs> oh my the, god, I did anyways, not notice
2: this. Of her I think mouth. you're exaggerating. Oh, I
1: am not exaggerating because it goes on for a million, a million, a million minutes. And because it's is just happening. Be- Because it's just before the commercial break, right? Yeah. Because he's like, oh, this cannot be. And she's like... <laughs> oh, gross. Okay, no more of that. <laughs> and try to, like, suck off his and face. And while this is happening... Um,
0: Rodriguez is trying to get a hold of Kirk because he's seeing more weird shit like
2: birds. That is the least weird <laughs> shit I've seen. Well, it, he
0: notes it specifically because they had all done all these scans and shown no life of any kind on this planet. And Kirk's answer to this is, oh, well, our instruments must have been wrong. Rodriguez is like, they couldn't have been that wrong. <laughs>
1: Yes, and Spock says we're getting strange readings from the planet. There's some kind of energy draining power
2: from the ship? That makes no sense.
1: No, it's nonsense. It is essentially nonsense, but there's something. There's some power beneath the planet which they didn't catch on the first, second, third, and fourth scan Good of the planet. Good scanning guys. Fire that person. And then we kind of go back to Kirk where he's talking about the past. He sits on the rock... And has a conversation, she's, like, trying to suck the flesh off of his bones. And then he stands up and kind of walks away, and his butt is not dusty. That really bothers me, guys. (laughs) His butt is not dusty at all, which means someone had to dust his butt. Or they dusted the rock before he sat on it. No. Rocks, no matter how you sit, you always get some dust. You get butt dust. He had no butt dust. I was looking.
2: (laughs) So, should we look in the credits for Mr. Shatner's butt duster? (laughs) I, if it would have, have been, been the 1960s, unfunded. I would have volunteered. Oh God! Um, but he has to go and take care of Captain business
0: and figure out what the hell is going on. And uh, hallucination Ruth says it's fine. I'll be here when you're done, <laughs> which makes plenty of sense. S- definitely so
1: weird. And then we kind of go into this weird, I guess, romantical interlude between Barrow and Bones, who I think are just shoved together because they have they share the first letter of their last names. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and. He kind of tells her to be alone in the place where she was assaulted, and how it's just so great here. Oh God! And he essentially says, "I would like to bones you." That was oh no! <laughs> only Take that back! I'm going to say that forever. No. <laughs> and th-
0: every, oh. there's flirting, and uh, there's she some talks awkward about flirting, some very awkward flirting, and it comes yes. around to her being. Um, her wanting to, sort of, she wants to be a princess. She wants, to, she be be wants princess. to be a
2: princess. She wants to
1: be a pretty, pretty princess. Yes, which fine. And then suddenly there is a princess dress, and McCoy's like, "Okay, dress up time." Yep. What? Yeah. And she's, uh, I, he's she's super so, into it. Well, she's brilliant. she does she does sort of like, I don't know. This is weird, but he's like, "Oh, come on, it's pretty dress." Okay. She's she's like, I want to be a lady to be protected and a lady to be fought for. Okay, girl talk time. Okay. Just between us girls. (laughs) Us girls and the internet. Us girls and the internet and the listening public. Do do you want to be protected and fought over? No. Fought over? No. I I don't understand why. And after having watched, like, Shatner and... Finnegan roll around in the dirt for like hours. I don't want to see anyone fight over me. It's kind of boring. Yeah, yeah. fought for? No, no. Protected? There's okay. all
2: sorts of ways to be protected in a relationship.
1: Financially, it is. However, emotionally? Oh yeah, that too.
2: great <laughs> yeah. emotions
1: are a thing that people have.
0: I keep forgetting. We get we get a brief respite from the awkward flirting because there's a Tiger.
1: Yeah, yeah, so she's trying on her outfit. McCoy says she says, strip tease for me, baby.
2: Oh, wait, hang
1: on a second. We have to go back because
2: we forgot the worst line. Mm-hmm. Uh, when what? she's changing, she tells Bones, don't peek. <laughs> and his response is, dear girl, I am a doctor. When I peek, it is in the line of duty. Love
1: it. Hated it. <laughs> Loved it. When she's taking off her outfit. I was so confused because she takes off kind of like her tunic and then she also throws like this thick black thing over the... Those p- were tights. No. I think it's meant to be her tights. Tights are sheer. Those were her tights. Those were not her tights. Those
2: were definitely those her tights. Those were black pants. No, those were tights. Uh,
1: uh They, they were, were, yes. were thick and black. They were meant
0: to be her tights. They, they, were, they
1: were not tights.
0: Well, whatever. They were standing Speaking in Speaking of tights. someone
1: who has thrown off a lot of pairs of tights in okay. her life, well, anywhere, hey. they do not come off like that. Those were tights. Definitely not. Definitely, yes. So, Esteban Rodriguez and Angela Martin? Tell her. Be, whatever.
2: Blue shirt and yellow dress.
1: So, there is a giant tiger accompanied by Jungle Music. It was mm-hmm. super bad stock footage, too. The two. Oh loca- no. It was a real no, tiger. real tiger. Then how come they weren't in the same location? Because... Because you them- can't have
2: human beings near Tigers. They filmed that tiger just for this. It wasn't stock footage. No, it was a nope. real tiger. They the birds
1: and the plane were, were stock, stock footage. footage. No, they actually a, had a tiger. There's a funny I thing would, about the tiger.
2: Actually, of all three of those, I would have sworn the tiger was the stock footage. Really, it looks so you out could of place. See it's, um, well, no, maybe it was colored. a real tiger, but like it was very obviously not filmed in the same location. Well, you cut to tiger in same, like it's the same location, but it never directly intersects any well, formers. Yeah. the tiger is like stalking through like dried grass, and then you turn to them in lush jungle and green trees it was bad you see the tiger
0: in a couple of different locations yeah no the funny thing about the tiger was that the tiger never directly interacts with any of the actors william shatner had originally hoped to wrestle the tiger of course but was does. convinced
2: <laughs> in the end that this would be unwise okay if william shatner had wrestled the tiger in this episode i would have loved it i would have watched 45 minutes of that yeah yeah, I would watch forty five minutes of William Shatner wrestling a tiger. Agreed. I've really watched five minutes of that. <laughs> you have no poetry in your soul.
1: None
0: whatsoever.
1: I have plenty, it's just not about tigers. Whatsoever. So everyone is acting very strangely like I'm just gonna put on this hallucination dress, which for all she the hell knows the dress.
0: Oh, it swooshes so well. It's such a good dress.
1: Yeah. When she runs around. I love the around, poofy thing. Oh, it's very poof. Yeah. It's, uh-huh. it's essentially like what you would imagine as your princess dress. Yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah. Uh, I was fine, completely fine with her dress. It was yeah. the hat that I had a problem with and the hat had a cape. Well, to keep your neck. It didn't come down to her neck. It was there to keep the hat warm. <laughs>
0: or to make the hat. It's cold. Or maybe him. to
1: make the hat fly. Yeah, it's maybe it's like cold. a flying nun. Maybe nut the here. hat wants to feel pretty too. Okay. Yeah. And what follows is essentially a number of strange gimmick things, which I can see Roddenberry scribbling. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, what's Sulu going to run into? I know, a samurai. Okay, what's Kirk going to run into? Canadian geese.
0: (laughs) To be fair, that is fucking terrifying.
1: Yeah, so Spock beams down to put well, a little bit of sense into you, And also into this really terrible portion of
2: confusion. They also go on and on about how the comms are not working properly and yeah. they're having trouble communicating oh, with and the also ship. The, phasers phaser and the phasers don't work anymore. Yeah, the phasers don't work anymore. And in
0: all of this, Spock beams down. <laughs> like, this was not a good idea, Spock. No, although, what I basically decided was that Spock decided to beam down because you guys are all fucking incompetent.
1: It did kind of feel like that. Like an yeah. adult needed to intervene because you your hallucinations are punching you in the face. Yeah.
0: yeah. When yeah. you figure out what's causing them and stop it, and you people are all too different working busy working out your childhood issues.
1: Actually, yes. Yeah. Because Barrels is like, oh, I need a white knight to protect me. Woo! So, of course, a knight shows up. Oh, yeah. And Bone says, oh, it's just fake. Hallucinations aren't real. And so the knight charges towards him with a lance, and he is stabinated to death.
0: Question for the group. Yes. Even if you were, like, 90% sure that it was imaginary, would you stand directly in front of a guy on a horse with a lance coming directly towards you? No.
1: Am I in a knight's tale? no because those things are made out of linguini um you know what i think i would probably duck at the last minute i would just move out of the way bones however would not well, because it's a hallucination. hmm But he... Mm-hmm. G- yeah. It's well, actually not
0: it a hallucination, as it turns out. But basically, no. he gets stabbed in the heart and, as far as we can tell, He dies. dies. And
1: then Kirk shoots it with Chekhov's gun. Huh? See what I did there? With uh, <laughs> Chekhov's gun, because he okay. set it up in the first act, and then also yeah. Chekhov, because it's a Star Trek reference. Yeah. Yes. Uh-huh. Greatest moment. <sighs> You've been thinking about that since you watched the episode. So hard! I was like, oh, I can't okay. wait to bring this out. Um, All right. Yeah. I'm Everyone's gonna- really
2: upset. Well, I'm just going to say right here where Kirk shoots the knife off the horse with the gun... Yes. ...is the point where I had to turn the episode off and walk away for 24 hours. What? How I'm is, how so is that the
1: weirdest part of the episode for it you? Was,
2: I, was, I was done at that point. Everything had built up well, so much. Well, that's the I was point where like, I'm like, oh.
0: okay, we're finally going to get some traction.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: I was like, no, I'm bored. I don't want to watch this anymore. This is stupid.
0: Because this is the first time we're like, oh, they're not just hallucinations.
1: Well... No, but one of them punched Kirk in the face. Surely, at that point, you think it's not a hallucination. He went know. flying. I don't know. People have actual hallucinations that are completely tactile, <gasps> like Fight Club. But when someone else looks oh, at you, sorry, and says, sorry, spoilers for Fight Club, <laughs> which I have never seen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, it's like, oh, okay, Bones is apparently dead. Uh, this is, you know, oh, Barrow's just starts screaming and crying. She goes his.
1: Terrible. And Kirk basically
0: grabs her by the shoulders and goes, calm your tits, you're a Starfleet
1: officer, and we got shit to do. I need you alert and thinking. And so they go over to investigate the knight, we who do. has the most fabulous makeup of all time. Uh, his lipstick was beautiful. Oh, them eyebrows? mm mm-hmm. He's gorgeous. Oh, also yeah. a mannequin. <laughs> oh, yeah. A <laughs> terrifying uncanny valley mannequin. He is a mechanical, he's a real person. The night, yeah, yeah. it was a mannequin. That was a no, dummy. It was a person. It no, it wasn't. No it was a it person. Was, it
2: was a human being. It there's, was not a person. It was a mannequin. No, there's a credit for him. For fuck's sake, I hate the show. Oh, no. but he Kim, was... you can't tell the difference between reality and fake now. No, I'm done. Really, you didn't know that it was a human being? It was a mannequin. A human being it made was up. A
0: mannequin in fancy dress. Like like a mannequin. It, it was had
1: up.
2: eyebrow makeup on. It was a mannequin in fancy
0: dress, or at least it looked very much like one.
1: Um, Why did they have person they could
0: just deserve if, a mannequin? Fortunately, the, the tricorders are still working, even if weapons are not. Yeah,
1: and, and it they, turns out it's a vegetable.
0: Essentially, yes. Well, okay, I want to stop here and talk about this because it was really interesting. They talk yeah. about um, what Spock says is that he seems to be made of the same material, the, what do you call it, the cellular casting material we use for wound repair, which sounds to me a lot like 3D printing. All right. It's really interesting, although yeah. it, it sort of gives a little hopefully coming to more consistency later window on the medical science, because this is a little past the point where they start paying attention to the world building. Yeah. So I'm hoping that comes up again. Um, But I was really excited because I heard cellular casting, and then they said it a third time, and I was like, holy shit, that's basically 3D printing what they're talking about.
1: See, what I thought, did any of you read the other books past The Wizard of Oz? A couple of them. Mm. So in Dorothy and The Wizard of Oz, they come across a group of people that are vegetables. They're and,
2: vegetables that have come alive with brains? Yeah, they're
1: people, So, but they grow on trees, and inside they're essentially yams. <laughs> <laughs> cooked yams or raw yams? Well, as it turns out, cooked ones, because the wizard slices one in half, in an illustration that is going to stick with me for probably the rest of my life. <laughs> wow. But yeah, so these are essentially the same thing. They're yam people manufactured yams. Well, yes, because that's
0: what the, this is where we sort of come to it again. We're like, oh, okay, so it's not just the mannequin knight who was grown or manufactured or whatever. Everything
1: was manufactured. Everything
0: is made of the same stuff. Including her dress. Yeah. Ooh, yam dress. On the upside, that means it's not going to disappear when the hallucination breaks, which was my concern when she started changing. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops, imaginary dress gone. Good point. Uh And And she was not wearing a bra, at least not one with straps, so that would have been really...
1: But here's the thing. She changes into another imaginary outfit at the end of the episode. So she is that back into a uniform? No, because it's fixed. Maybe they fixed it. With vegetables. Probably. It's still a vegetable dress. Well, they didn't, okay, they didn't
0: exactly say that they were vegetables. They said that they were grown and manufactured. With the
1: same organic stuff as the plant sample. They're yeah. plants. They're vegetable people. Slice them open. Anyways, Rodriguez <laughs> apparently did not get the memo that everyone else has got. And starts thinking mm-hmm. about World War Two fighter planes Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. so what appears World War
0: II fighter plane and uh Angela Martine Orteller (laughs) goes is it dangerous and he like an idiot says oh well no not unless it does a strafing run
2: (laughs) and guess what it does a strafing run bang (laughs) bang bang No, no, no. He essentially drags her into a tree. Yeah, he does. He throws her, he's dragging her along while they're running for cover, and he throws her head first into a tree. Yeah. Yeah. And then she falls down unconscious, he looks at her, shrugs, and we never see her again. That is the the end of Yellow Dress. I don't
0: know about her being around later, but the way that was blocked, I kind of thought that we were supposed to think she'd been shot.
1: But there's no blood, and she visibly runs into a tree. There's yeah. no blood
0: when bones gets run through with a lance. Oh, there is blood. There's, there's a little, little tiny spot. Yeah,
1: but she would have been, like, machine gunned down. Yeah. No, no, she definitely ran headfirst. She first. ran in, straight up into a tree. Yeah, into a tree. And then we never saw her again. No, and speaking of which, the bodies of both the Knight and McCoy have disappeared. Somehow, under the eyes of Spock Kirk... They turned their backs briefly to see what the strafing was about. <laughs> <laughs> and somehow, the bodies have disappeared. And then we begin a charming mood with Finnegan, who, again, oh. I could not get over the fact that it was a Mr. Dress Up reference in my head. <laughs>
2: oh, this was terrible. And Finnegan,
1: who is either two years old Something or like had some kind of you know, developmental disability. <laughs> combined with ADHD. Combined with stereotypical Irishness. Yeah, he um, a little drunk.
0: Yeah, but but because uh, Fox says, Irishness is not drunk. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's the impression that the He's character He's like
1: the us. leprechaun. Yeah, it, it was oh, like he, he was. It's it, awful. awful. He was
2: jumping yeah. around yeah. and cackling he left and, right over a boulder. And the uh, the run the thing that got me with the running was he was like comically far ahead and then stood there taunting. It was so stereotypically grossly Irish. It was awful. It was very very strange.
0: And, and this is after Spock basically says Yeah so all this shit's coming out of our heads We need
1: to stop thinking yeah. about stupid shit And then of course clamp this down So Kirk, Kirk does, does not Finnegan. clamp it down He runs He runs, oh, so how far, he, runs. So he runs across every
2: filming location <laughs> They used in this episode Across the beautiful field Through the yes. woods Through the desert the My,
0: my, my notes at this point uh, Kirk follows Finnegan Kirk gets knocked out during the fight Kirk wakes up and fight continues. This is a really long fight.
1: It is a very long fight. Now, going back to Shatner running, I figured out the really funny thing about him when he runs. I mean, everyone looks funny when they run, except for maybe Usain Bolt. He looks, like, amazing. Yeah. But he doesn't move his shoulders or his neck when he runs. So it's all flailing hands. Very weird. And, yeah, there's a number of manly tussles that does go on for most of, I think, all years. of our collective adult lives. Mm-hmm. Um,
2: also, the music in this section, especially the chase scene, is extremely distinctive, and it's, like, xylophony. They wrote a whole bunch of new
0: themes for this episode.
1: Yeah. It's supposed to be comical. Yes. But, really, these guys are beating the shit out of each other. And not in a funny way. So, you guys had not watched this episode
2: when I showed up tonight. So you were watching it and I was in the other room and I could hear nothing the entire time until this scene came on and I heard the do 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 music <laughs> and I was like, oh good,
1: they're almost done. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the only thing that I think is notable about this uh, fight other than I kept singing to myself, "Silver stars! And that Kirk does his amazing flying Kirk. <laughs> 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 Which is my description for when... a. His opponent is just standing there, and Kirk or Shatner's stunt double for no, like does a flying two-foot leap and just kicks the person who is standing there and then falls fall to down. the ground, <laughs> leaving yeah. themselves prone and open to attack. Because at, at most, the person that you kick stumbles back two steps.
2: Yes. Uh, this fight scene also had my other favorite Kirk signature move. Which is shirt becomes ripped with absolutely no indication of how mm. it got that way. Mm. Yeah, he mm. just turned okay, turn turn around, turn around, and his shirt was like ripped at the neck and gaping open to show his beautiful man
0: cleavage. I yes. do appreciate that everyone's uniforms get ripped in roughly the same way in this episode. Like they had a specific
2: technique for ripping Starfleet uniforms. They grabbed it at the collar mm. and ripped the contrasting fabric. Yeah,
1: it's very. They should really look into whoever's tailoring or manufacturing these because there's an obvious defect here. Yeah, mm-hmm. an mm-hmm. obvious defect, and they they trade awful barbs. Like, at some point, Finnegan says, oh, I can't feel my legs, I'm paralyzed. To which Kirk kicks him in the legs and says, feel that? <laughs> Kirk's working some stuff out. Kirk is working a lot of stuff out. And then he finally off. beats him. After Does he? he? There's, like, throwing dirt in his face and sleep. Like, and, and once just, he finally knocks Finnegan on. out, he looks
0: up and Spock is standing on a rock above him judging him. As he should. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, no, there's the very important part where Kirk shouts, I'm not a pleb! Kirk seems to be holding on
2: to a lot of unresolved anger issues from his academy days. Yeah. Like, a lot here. Like, normally, like, this kind of bullying or whatever. By the time you're Kirk's age, which is, like, mid-30s, you should have worked
1: through this shit already. Don't I, I think it's much beyond bullying. Yeah, well, yeah. This guy was physically assaulting him because the hallucination, na- like, Kirk asked the hallucination, what are you doing? And the hallucination says, what you expect me to do. Yeah. Which is to beat the shit out of him. Yeah. Like, I feel like there's some dark stuff that went on. Also, yeah.
0: you know, defining it as practical jokes sounds like the kind of thing you would do to minimize... An experience where you were basically tortured
2: for your entire time at the yeah. academy. Yeah. And that's, that. well, that's the other thing, though, is why, you know, again, he's in his mid-30s at this point. He's 15, at least 15 years removed from the academy experience. If it was something that horrible, why wouldn't he just be like, you know, this guy was really awful to me and he beat the shit out of me a few times or whatever. I don't know. It just, it seemed
1: childish to me at times. I think if I suffered four years of psychological and physical abuse from someone, I would want I don't think you get closure on something like that. And I don't no. think he did. So Especially I think you
0: are a lot younger and more helpless when it's happening.
1: Yeah, so I felt like he was looking for closure on it, and closure was beating the shit out of him. Mm-hmm. And because Fox says, Did you enjoy that, Captain? He says, Yeah, I did. <laughs> it was great. And Spock has essentially figured this planet out, which is whatever you think will come true. And then
0: he says, "Captain, we must control our thoughts." And like, then he promptly thinks up the fucking timer.
1: No, he says, "Don't think of a tiger." So uh, what do you do? A tiger appears. It's like what's the expression? Don't think of pink elephants. Then mm-hmm. you can't help but start thinking about thinking of elephants. elephants. Sidebar: Yes, there
0: was talk of this elephant, this episode including an elephant, but it never happened. And apparently, from then on, every so often. People on the cast, on the show, in the writer's room would be like, So, uh, when are you going to get to
1: use that (laughs) elephant? And then Kirk and Spock go through essentially an assembly line of. All
2: of the horrible. They outrun the plane, they bowl right (laughs) over the samurai. The samurai's just like, Whoa! And they're just like, Nope! (laughs) (laughs) We're
1: done with you now. And Don Juan shows up for another kick at the old can, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Kirk says, stop thanking everybody. Yeah. Well, I liked
2: how he did this. He called everybody to attention and says, focus on being at attention, which yes. I thought was great, because it's reinforcement of the military command structure.
1: It is. And so, as soon as they start concentrating on not samurais and not tigers, the cult leader shows up. Oh, God.
2: This was so random.
1: And and says, Hey hey guys what what up and he introduces himself as, as the caretaker, caretaker which again I think I'm going to throw back another reference to the first two episodes of Voyager with the yep, caretaker yeah. on his planet of crazy hallucinations mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. Uh, yeah I guess that is true I guess that is a thing yeah because he yep. does create the farmhouse and he, he yep. creates what they expected to see I think is what he says an environment where yeah. they would be fine and happy And although who is happy at a hoedown yeah, Janeway apparently. That says a lot
1: about her. <laughs> and,
2: and
0: this is where I wrote, "Holy shit, this is the game," which is yeah. the last one episode. Yeah,
1: and he is dressed in what I can only describe as cult leader garb. It's like a long green robe, and they're sort of like gold filigree. Yeah, cult leader garb, mm-hmm. and he comes over Less cult and kind of garb than Doctor Adams. Oh yeah, he knows all of them. But takes the time to stroke barrows. Yeah, just sort of stroke her chin gently because yes. why? And this planet is meant to amuse you. It's Imagine your fondest dreams, but you guys clearly do not understand how that works. Yeah. So my thought here was if
2: you're gonna run an amusement planet, maybe advertise it. <laughs>
1: yeah. Put, put, put up, up a sign. Yeah. Throw up a space billboard. Do not think of tigers. Ugh. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I can only assume that the the people that this was actually designed for have either better mental discipline or were forewarned about the rules.
1: Well, he does say that our people know how to use this planet where you clearly do not. And there's this kind of tacked on message about the importance of play, even for adults, neater, neater, whatever. McCoy shows up with a showgirl on each arm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, literally a showgirl. Oh, their outfits were
2: hideous. They were wearing furry Boob covers with no back. They yeah. were just pasties. Really? And, yeah. And then <laughs> furry pants. And they were, one was hot pink, one was fluorescent yellow, and they had flowers in their, or feathers in their hair. Yeah, don't forget the feather. And it was hideous.
0: Yes, but apparently these were um, imaginary uh, copies of some showgirls he met on Rigel, whatever.
2: Rigel 2. Rigel 2. They kind of
1: look like Playboy bunnies. Yeah. Love it. With A pants.
2: Bit. Yeah. And uh, Not Rand was not amused but they're also playing sexy music in the background.
1: Well, apparently you get whatever you want on this planet, which, by the teaser at the end of this, I think we're supposed to assume that everyone just had a giant orgy. They all boned down. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's a reasonable <laughs> just the reason... To steal a
2: phrase down, from right? Jason Manzikis, they all boned down, and they got yeah. into
0: the bone zone. <laughs> yeah, because the ultimate outcome of this is that he, the character comes out, he's like, okay, okay, you guys clearly have no idea what the fuck you're doing, but if I explain the rules to you, Would you like to actually have your shore leave down here? Because it's the best vacation ever. I would argue that, but whatever.
2: And Kirk says, sure, why not? Yeah, fuck. It was like, where are are the aliens from? You're not ready to know that. But look, your communications are working. You can still take shore leave, and it was the best vacation ever. How are
1: these people different from the keepers in the Menagerie in the Cage? They can make anything happen. They can kind of control what you see, except that they actually manufacture it rather than just putting it in your brain.
0: Well, I guess the underlying purpose is very different because the point of this planet is for like...
1: Yeah, but at the end of the Cage in the Menagerie, it is essentially so that Pike and Vena can be happy. The difference
2: is the wacky hijinks music so that we know oh, that it this was. is
1: so convincing. I well, think the
2: difference is that the illusion is for the benefit of the people having the illusions
1: rather well, than the people watching. them. wouldn't the keepers
2: Im- argue that vena's illusion was for her benefit? That was their yeah. actual whole argument. Well, yeah,
0: but it was for her benefit after a bunch of really terrible shit had happened. It was like a last resort
1: thing as opposed to the whole point of the exercise. But I think that really, this this guy, this planet's power, I don't know if he's just the one caretaker, if there's more is incredible. Yeah. He can build, he can read your mind, Yeah, yeah, and then he can build whatever Whatever. he wants out of yams. Yeah. Like, this is some serious business. He can affect your phasers, he can affect your communication, he can affect your transport, and he's sucking energy from your ship. That made no sense to me at all. No, it's nonsense. But how is it any different from the Keepers? Why isn't this a forbidden planet? It's a very good question. Yeah, Starfleet, do get in touch. From a security perspective. Yeah, I can kind of see your point. It is. Is very strange. But I think what we're supposed to take away is that now McCoy is half yam. Yeah, that yeah. could be
2: true, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, I really like that the whole thing is everyone's like, okay, best vacation ever. And Spock's like, I'm going home. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, re- I I
1: see why you and Spock really have Bonnie a connection. Is so illogical. Yes. But they definitely all had a giant orgy after that. Yeah. So uh, life lessons to be gained. Oh yeah. And Spock gets to make out with his old girlfriend. Kirk gets Ooh, to make oh, out with his oh, old yeah. girlfriend. Spock has no girlfriends. He does know it's a vegetable, right?
2: Yes. And this is something I want to talk about because I had a day to think about this episode, um, and what I came to halfway through the day. Is that this is a very? It feels like an early precursor to every single holodeck episode that we yes, get yes, on yes, yes, extra. Yes, yes, yes. And it also, for me, brings up some of the ethical questions that I always have about the holodecks in like banging hollow characters, banging hollow characters based on real people versus
1: yeah. banging created hollow characters. Um, and I also have hygienic questions about yes, that. that. Who too. is the poor? Janitor who has to clean up in the holodeck. I assume it's self-cleaning. Yeah. But that's what... Like an oven. But that's what
2: this was... That was the big thing that I took away from this episode, I think, was it felt like a really early pre... Like, maybe if you were thinking about, like, holodex, and this is where that... This is the episode where maybe they evolved out of of the technology of just creating whatever you want. It's interesting
0: because in canon, we don't officially get holodecks until uh next gen next gen but in the animated series the original series animated series there are holodecks or at least there are recreation rooms that are really obviously holodecks
1: it is interesting because i remember uh reading about when they were thinking about building the next generation like the ship the set the idea is that this idea of leisure time of how they take their time off they solved it by having holodeck that could create everything, which mm-hmm. of course creates a number of stories and a number of ethical questions. There, story. there is the, the episode where Jordy. um creates
2: Leah Brahms Cree- who is yeah. a
1: real person but he
2: creates a, com- a fictionalized computerized version of her and, and they fall in love. love and she is justifiably horrified when she learns well, sure. about it
1: Oh well, we but lots. you also have
2: like and I was also sorry I was also taking things yeah. like in uh, Voyager yeah Tom Paris creates the for like I think it's in the first or the second season they have the pool Ooh. hall and he has Sandrine who is the who owns it who is based on a real person that he knew in Paris we
0: get the impression that's quite common especially when people are recreating locations Picard does it too Um, Riker Riker does it. it
1: he's got the Parisian cafe yeah yeah where uh, he plays the. Is it, does he play this?
2: Oh, uh, Minuet is a. I'd, I'd argue that Minuet is a different case because Minuet's she's very different. She's, she's very alien different technology. Yeah, she's alien
1: technology. I don't she, know. She's not somebody he knew. My in the thing
0: past. with the holodeck and associated technologies is that <clears throat> it doesn't matter if they're real or fake people. What matters is whether it's public or private. Like, because if you are creating the holographic versions of real people, but no one else sees it or knows about it. How is that different from writing real person fanfiction or just thinking about it in your own or head or
1: daydreaming? Like if or I daydream. daydream about making out with Shatner, yeah, with not his chin but like his mouth. <laughs> like, is that really any different? I think that, than I think the div- oh, hologram. Yes, I think it is because I think there's a
2: difference between. Uh, imagining that you're making out with Shatner yeah. and creating a realistic fake Shatner that walks, talks, looks and acts like Shatner but isn't him and making out with that. But
1: is it, how is that different from making out with one of those like pillow, life-size pillow play?
2: ladies? I Because it's, for me the difference is because it's based on a real person. But it's
1: not that person. It's, it's not. not even a
2: person. Just, but it's a if, if it's created with the intention of it, if you create... Something and be like, "Oh, hello, sexy holographic man who I've never met before, who is created based on random personality." But
1: it's not a. And yeah. that's not a
2: real person. If you, it still doesn't matter if it's sentient. But then, if you go and like, I would like a Shatner-shaped one that looks and sounds like Shatner and walks yeah. like Shatner, I and then make up with it. That I think is, a, I think it's different. I agree I that it's different. I agree that
0: it's probably unhealthy, but I certainly don't think it's a trespass of any kind because it's your private business, it's your private fantasy. It's not for the benefit of anybody else. Except for a actually, space janitor who has to clean up after it. I, I really hope the holodeck is self-cleaning. <laughs> like an oven, like with fire. No. But you're not impinging on someone else's rights any more than real person fic does, or fan art does,
2: or Elvis impersonators do. It's not... Yeah, but the Elvis impersonators are not making out with... Uh, some of them probably do. Some of
1: them... If yeah. I've, I've seen many episodes of CSI. <laughs> some of them definitely do. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. Well, I mean, this is also a conversation that we can think on and talk about later when we get into, we get to the get the into holodeck issues. Um, I
0: think the privacy issue is more important, though, than anything else.
1: I do get that. But, I mean, there is the episode where uh, the office loser, Barkley? Barkley, yeah. Creates his awful yeah awful, he, awful, embarrassing. awful embarrassing holodeck with Deanna and Beverly, Beverly. and where they simper and Tiny saunter and is it fine when it's private but not okay when they
2: find out about it because that's the thing or is it always I don't icky I think
0: it becomes more like unacceptable when they find out about it just more embarrassing like they I think, really shouldn't have been there in the first place.
2: Well, the thing, the thing, the angle that it's, I think the show takes and that the characters take is you should not have created this in the yeah. first place. Yeah, they do, but they they're are people, people that. They're doing even...
0: that from a, an emotional place. But not... they're
2: taking, like, I don't know, these are people that he knows, who he interacts with on a daily basis, and he's turning them into gross fantasy objects. And that's that's. But how don't... is
0: doing it in a holodeck different from doing it in your head or writing about it or imagining
1: it or daydreaming or roleplay? I, think, I just don't see the distinction. I think there is a distinction to be made between people that you interact on a day-to-day basis with versus people who are removed from you. So celebrities or I definitely think it's more characters. embarrassing and more awkward.
0: But I also I think don't there think, there think a it's a trespass or impingement.
2: Yeah, so I mean, so if we want to bring it back and focus on this episode here, like Kirk stays behind on that planet to make out with Yam Helen.
1: But and it isn't Ruth. Helen. But it isn't okay. Helen. Sorry.
2: Or Ruth, sorry, Ruth. Why was I saying Helen? But yeah, he sees behind a make out with Yam. Who Ruth. he
1: knows is a Yam. Yeah.
2: yeah. And he but he's still basing her completely on a person that he knew in his past. Fifteen years ago. He's faked a person that he used to know in the way that he used to know her with
0: oh, o- did it? Yeah. And is
2: banging her. Well that's the thing also, it's not really her, it's his idealized version of
0: her.
1: How? But that's weird. Would you feel comfortable doing I that? would not feel comfortable
0: with
2: not. that. And then my question is, is that any different than what Barkley does with the Deanna and the Beverly sim- simulations? <sighs> See, this is, I don't know, this is this is what one of the things that this episode brought up for me with actual thought into it and beyond my initial reaction of, I hate this.
1: Yeah. I think holodeck um, ethics are very, very interesting because, yeah. you know, when we get to the point where the technology is there... Is there legitimate criticism to be had for people using your likeness? Yes, yeah, like your likeness or your face. Like if you think about someone like Carrie Fisher, whose face belongs, whose face and body belongs to Disney. Yeah, like,
2: yeah. So I don't know. It's something to think about. I think as we go forward, because I mean, if you think about things like the difference between um, Janeway does a hollow novel where she's yeah. playing a character that makes out with a guy versus the time when she goes into the hollow novel and reprograms herself an ideal dude. Like is that there a one's diff- very different though, because they're sentient. Well, there there's gonna be differences yeah, and things yeah, like yeah. that. And so I mean Versus these are all the just technology. sort of things to, to keep in mind and I think I think this is gonna be something fun for us to discuss when we get to next gen mm-hmm. and especially then also you get into things like Quark has um basically hollow suite programs that are basically like here's a sex program. Yeah. But it's <laughs> so, guys And so anyway, this is where
1: cool. I think all holodeck stuff yeah. stems from is I this agree. episode. Yeah. So that does make it much more interesting yeah, yeah. Um, okay I'm done <laughs> okay so uh, life lesson to be learned Ari don't think about pink elephants see the problem is I have a really hard time picturing pink elephants
0: no I just imagine the Winnie the Pooh cartoon
1: those are heffalumps those are heffalumps and woozles the song is pink, the- elephants. pink
2: elephants pink elephants pink elephants you no know, heffalumps and woozles that's a different song but if yes. you want to do um, there is a song by the cherry poppin' daddies <laughs> I saw yeah, the pink, the pink elephant. Blinded by the sauce, you know, I'd rather stay bent. There you go. There's your pink elephants. Is that oh. also your life lesson? No. My life lesson is don't bang yams. <laughs>
1: Allowing, of course, your
2: matters of personal taste.
1: Yeah, and but yams are very low in protein. Cream what's your life lesson? My lef- life lesson would be... Even if you're pretty sure it's a hallucination, duck. <laughs> <laughs> so performance of the episode, Kim. Uh, performance of the episode,
2: I am going to give. Oh, who am I going to give this to? Um, I'm going to give it to Alice. She had one line. Yeah, she delivered it very well. <laughs> Alright, R.A. performance
1: of the episode. I'm giving it to Leonard Mimoy uh, and Spock for keeping his goddamn head. Alright, I am going to go in a different direction. I'm going to give it to Emily Banks, who played Yeoman Barrows, who I thought did a perfectly okay job of not being Rand. Yes. Yeah. I resented her for not being Rand. You gotta let it go. I will never
2: let Janice Rand go. You are gonna resent
1: a lot of
2: people. (laughs) You'll see her again. Yeah, in like 50 years. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I also think that we should kind of bow our heads for... uh, I have it down as Bruno Mars, which I know is incorrect. (laughs) I'm going to go with maybe Bruce, who played Finnegan for just... It's Bruce Mars. Yeah, Bruce. Bruno Mars. uh, Who had to give that... Who had to show up every day and give that performance... And at some point, a director probably said, more, Bruce, more, give me more. He earned that paycheck. He did. He earned that paycheck and a half. And Mm -hmm. hopefully a real long nap afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. So this has been the episode of Shore Leave and, you know, two more things to do before we end. Oh, yeah.
2: How many people died? Possibly one. (laughs) 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 We don't know what happened to Yellow Dress. She just vanished. I think she's just busy with a handsome, young, Yam man of her own. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, so our death count is possibly one. Ari, right, lady count?
1: Um, I think it was three. There are not very many people in this There are episode. not very many I assume in this that's why episode, it was period. so cheap to fill. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: yeah, three ladies and two people of color. not oh, too bad. Not
1: too bad. Not too
2: bad. What, is that counting the samurai?
0: I'm sorry, three people. <laughs> there we go. Three, three, four counting the samurai. There we so go. actually, more people
1: of color than ladies. Yeah, not too bad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. well thank you for joining us everyone and uh, just remember as you go about on your merry day um, as you face your your other challenges as people try to kind of impinge themselves on you stay true to yourself because yam what I am oh God. Oh, god